Hello and welcome to the fifth Adventure Films podcast. On this one we're doing Lawrence of Arabia. This is a David Lean film from 1962. Um, just to quickly recap on what we're doing, um, a couple of months ago I came up with ten films that I thought encapsulated the idea of adventure, so real adventure films, looking at adventure as a genre in and of itself. And uh, then I thought we could, uh, I with my brother Murray, could do a this podcast um, sort of discussion of the ten films and what makes a great adventure story using these ten films as a kind of a springboard, but obviously looking at them in some more detail. So I'm Garen Ewing. I'm a comic artist and author. I do an adventure comic called The Rainbow Orchid. And coming on these adventures with me is my brother, Murray. Hello, I'm Murray, um, and I write stories, mostly science fiction, fantasy, that sort of thing. And uh, these podcasts do include spoilers of the film. So if you haven't seen the film and you want to watch it without knowing what's going to happen, don't listen to this podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> but most of these films are classics, and I think most people will have seen these films already. But hopefully they might inspire you to go and see them again. I've certainly got, although they've these films have been long-time favourites. I really enjoyed seeing them again and got all re-inspired over them again, so that's good. Now, talking of that, Lawrence of Arabia, I put in really because I, I have to admit, I have to admit, <laughs> um, <laughs> that I love David Lean. He's one of my favourite directors, and I really wanted a, a David Lean film in the top ten. Well, the, the ten. And my favourite David Lean film is Dr. Zhivago, I think. Um, although I really also like, I really like um, Oliver Twist. And I quite like Lawrence of Arabia. I've seen it probably, probably two times before over the years. Not massively familiar with it, but I love David Lean. And this is surely, I mean, Dr. Zhivago is not that classic adventure in the sense that we're thinking of it here but um, Lawrence of Arabia is so in it went without me being as familiar you know without it being a, as a loved film as the others mm, are yeah. so whereas Hidden Fortress the last film we talked about is probably the one that kind of uh, instigated this project and and is one of my favourite, favourite director, Kurosawa, and I was really looking forward to. This one I've kind of not been looking forward to, thinking, oh, God, I, I don't know much <laughs> about it. Um, but I, now I watched it a couple of days ago. Yeah. It's, that's the other thing. It's a long film, trying to fit it in <laughs> to a busy <laughs> schedule. Uh, so um, but I watched it a couple of days ago. Murray, you watched it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I have to say, I think that was the first time I've seen the whole film all the way through. Because it's the sort of film that I think I've caught on Sunday afternoons yes. or Saturday afternoons often after coming back from work or something yeah and so I'll see, I won't see the beginning and I'll watch a bit and then I'll fall asleep at the end because <laughs> I've been working since early <laughs> yes and so it's funny but there were some bits that were really familiar perhaps because also I've seen them in uh, their quite classic clips yes uh, but some bits particularly at the beginning the very beginning the very end strangely enough I thought I, I've never seen this before <laughs> because you missed the beginning and you fall asleep at the end yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes I think I may have been similar I mean I, I've, I've had the DVD for quite a long time and I've watched that probably twice I think I've, I've had it for a few years so o over the years and again I've seen it in bits mm. there's a few famous scenes that always come up on documentaries about yeah, classic film yeah <laughs> 
Um, but I must say, so watching it and then reading a bit around it over the last couple of days has upped it in my estimation. Before, Dr. Zhivago was my favourite. I think it still is, or I haven't seen Zhivago for a while. I had a similar thing with Bridge Over the River Kwai, actually. Mm. Um, whereas I'd seen it before and I, I knew it was supposed to be a classic and amazing. I heard everyone else go, I love that film, I love it. And I thought, well, I quite like it. Yeah. And then I saw it, I don't have that on DVD, but I watched it all the way through. It was on one of these Sunday afternoons a couple of years ago. I thought, I'm going to sit down, you know, perfect timing to watch this. That's just what I want. <laughs> and I was mesmerised by it. Yeah. So that suddenly clicked. And I think Lawrence of Arabia although I do li- like the film I think now it's clicked and it's, it mm. kind of has leapt into this top ten legitimately <laughs> maybe that's not legitimate but um, you know what I mean retrospectively yeah, I think that quite quite often happens with a film or a book or anything which has got a reputation and which you come to mm. knowing the reputation it often sets up a false image in your head and the first time you watch the film you're sort of unlearning what you were expecting right and it's almost like you've got a come to it again on its own merits you know or as it really is rather than as the the reputation makes you think it will be yeah. <laughs> do you also think sometimes that if a film has a reputation you can almost be a bit defensive about wanting to watch it yes, like yeah. oh, oh the crowd likes that i don't want to go with the crowd that yeah. kind of mentality <laughs> yeah um it can i don't i don't think i mean i i love david lean so i i I mean, I did. It sounds like I didn't like this film before. That's not true at all. <laughs> um, but it wasn't wasn't my favourite. Yeah. Anyway, well, so this is quite different from the other films in that it's a biopic. It's mm. a film that is based in truth, based on a real person, based on real important historical events. Whereas I don't think any of the other films, The Man Who Would Be King, has got some historical. Mm stuff um the treasure of sierra madre is 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 looking at the gold rush period and also i think i I don't know about this too deeply but there was some political stuff about the um yeah the mexican uh, police force the federales um and and the sort of situation i guess lost horizon has got some connection with a real period i think that's i guess that's before the second world war so it must have been the the chinese uh, yeah, because it starts with a, well, we'll come to that later. But yeah. It starts with a revolution against the British, doesn't <clears throat> that's it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. But all of those depart from reality mm. as their main substance is then a fictional, a fantasy. I mean, something like King Kong is all fantasy. Hidden Fortress is an historical setting, but it's, I believe, yeah. that's that's not based on a true mm. story. This is a film that's taking place on a world stage with political events which actually happened and it's the only one of that sort I think yes yeah and so when you're reading around it it's if you really if we really want to do justice to this we <laughs> could spend a long time reading biographies of Lawrence of Arabia and the I mean this is a period in history that affects us today mm. in the Palestinian and um, you know, Israeli conflict and the whole Middle East yeah um, is still affected today by those borders that were drawn up Yes. Back when, uh, well, post-First World War. So this is set in the First World War. Right. Um, Let's start there. (laughs) (laughs) The film opens with Lawrence, T.E. Lawrence, uh, being killed in a motorcycle accident. Yes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is factually accurate, of course. Um, He died in 1935 or something, in the 30s, in a motorcycle accident. He was was riding along and, and... had to um 
swerve to avoid some cyclists. Cyclists, yeah. And, and he's going too fast, the, the thought yeah, is. Yeah. And he went off and... Uh, I think he was in a coma for a few days before he actually died. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I read somewhere saying that, you know, even these injuries which would kill a normal man, you know, he clung to life for a while. Because certainly there's a lot of myths grown up surrounding Lawrence yes, Arabia. Yes, yes. Um, a little interesting factoid I read, I can't remember mm. where now, I've, I've read a few things over the last couple of days, but doctor who treated him or one of the doctors that treated him uh, became fascinated by uh, motorcyclists dying from head injuries and he was one of the developers of the the uh, helmet oh really and and i think maybe the law i can't remember if it was the helmet or the law or both of course Jeez. everyone has to wear a, yeah. a crash helmet now they didn't then and he died from his head injuries perhaps if he'd been wearing a helmet wow so that 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 his death had an effect on Huh. What today is um, yes, a law yeah. and a piece of equipment that's vital to every motorcyclist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so then um, there's this funeral scene, yeah. and uh, this is where we've got this uh, vicar character saying, does, does he belong here uh, yeah. next to all these greats? Because it's West, uh, is it Westminster Abbey. Yeah. Um, and then everyone coming out and saying their opinions of Lawrence. Yeah. Most claiming not to have known him that well. They thought they did, but actually they didn't. And it was all set up as Lawrence as being a bit of an enigma <clears throat> as a yes, person. Yeah. Um, and the there's an American journalist who says, sort of after he's given a quote to another journalist, he then says to his companion, and he was the biggest... Um, showman since Barnum and Bates yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a famous quote about him that he sort of backed into the limelight. <laughs> um, I think he he did, from what I've read, he he quite liked the. He kind of played up to his yeah. um, the marketing of his image, if you like, but also felt really guilty about it and yeah. and, and was his two sides. I mean, no one's black and white. He, he kind of wanted it, but also hated it. And there's a sense that in his being able to lead the Arabs, to unite the Arab peoples, the tribes, and lead them, he needed to be backed up by a sort of myth. And so in that sense, he did need it. But also he did sort of, uh, and he did um, court it as well. You know, he did yeah. enjoy it a bit. I mean, the myth, the myth was, was the one that appeared in the Western press, really. Yeah. <laughs> but was that useful to the Arabs? I mean, surely he had to prove himself to the Arabs yeah. for them to believe it and in the film he does prove himself the scene where he finally wins them over properly is where he rescues um, the man is it I, I don't think I read his name is it Gassim could be um, <laughs> let's call him Gassim sorry if I got that wrong um, from the desert yes and then they finally accept because they say it's it's in the writing that's already written yeah, he's dead yeah. and he rewrites it if you like he, yeah. he says no nothing is written nothing is written yeah and, oh, no, there um, is a sequel to that which is quite an interesting bit but we'll come to that yes yeah sure. well no let's let's drop i don't mind chopping around and and then lawrence has to execute the same man for yeah, just to keep the peace between the two tribes which he's just sort of tentatively united mm. He has to execute this one man for a crime. Yeah. And, of course, it turns out to be the man he saved. Yes. And he kills him, and then someone says, oh, it was written after all. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, but also someone says to him that it doesn't mean it was written. They're trying to make him feel better. Uh, someone says that as well, I think. Uh, um, but, of course, you can't help thinking, oh, so it was written. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's set up the basic of the film. Lawrence is working for army intelligence in Cairo as a map maker. Yes. 
a politician brings him out and wants to second him to the Arab Bureau to go out and meet Faisal. Prince Faisal. Prince yeah. Faisal, who's the son of King Hussein, and just really to see what his plans are, to see, yeah. learn what he's about. Yeah. And of course, we learn a lot about Lawrence's character from that scene where he's in the map room. Mm. I mean, one of the things was with the match. He puts out a burning match by slowly rolling the the yeah. flaming head in, in his fingers. Yeah. And he says, "Yeah." The, the soldier tries it and hurts himself. He says, "How? Do you, what's the trick?" He says, well, "I can't remember exact words, but there is no trick. You just have. To, it does yeah. hurt. You just have to not mind. Yes, the trick yeah. is to not mind. Not mind the pain. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And of course, the thing that sort of comes before that is why why Lawrence is chosen, which isn't actually in the film, but as a, a younger man, Lawrence went over to I can't remember exactly Arabia and Egypt and wandered Syria, yeah. on his own yes looking for antiquities he and walked. old places he yeah. walked thousands of miles it was a walking not holiday necessarily but yeah. it was kind of but yeah so he already had a bit of a familiarity with the he area. knew the language yeah. he learned the language when he was out there and he knew the cartography yeah. the uh, <laughs> geography yeah and I love characters like that it's shown again and again how especially in Empire, where those who just walk into a country, ignore, trample all over the customs, um, don't make friends, stay apart, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. And those who integrate, learn the language, make friends, you get cooperation. Which is <laughs> such... What? This is amazing. I don't believe it. Going into the Afghan war, which is my favourite areas, um, there's a character I really like called... Omar Kriya, and he was the a captain of a local, a very small local Indian unit, and he wasn't in charge of them. The guy was in charge. As soon as he could, he went off to go and hunt with <laughs> his fellow British officers. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kriya stayed with them. He learnt the language, and the result was when he was in Afghanistan, they were so loyal to him. Uh. Um, was the other guy I could hardly be bothered he just wanted to go off and get yeah. glory but anyway it's a, his, I've read his autobiography and it's fascinating and he comes across really nice he, he liked the people the Indians right, he liked yeah. living with them he took the trouble to learn their language and that's what Lawrence did he was able to get so much done mm. because because of his empathy for the Arab people yes yeah uh, which is impressive <laughs> you, yeah. you, you I mean certainly in this modern day and age well back then people people liked it as well but it's amazing that's a, a lesson from history that doesn't seem to get learned that well <laughs> yeah also there's a feeling you get at the beginning that Lawrence is bored basically with the situation he's ended up in he's, he's in a war but he's you, you first see him colouring in a map yes you know <laughs> uh, um, and it, there's a feeling that he's a man who's looking for a situation in which to express his potential mm. And it turns out that he needs quite a, a big situation to, you know, really find out who he is. And yeah. to, he wants a world stage almost. <laughs> he's quite. A, he's a, a second lieutenant, which is, you know, quite a, a, a low, a lowly yeah. officer. Yeah. Um, so he's not someone with a lot of uh, clout militarily, but he's got this experience. So he's brought out by Dryden, Mister Dryden, politician, oh, yeah. who's a fictional character. Mm. He represents politics yeah in the thing now the first time i saw dryden i saw i was watching a documentary on david lean just before this did you think yeah is I, that I david thought, lean <laughs> at first i thought casually that's david lean yeah but then of course it turns out it's claude rains the invisible man yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but 
I mean, I haven't looked at a photo of the two of them together, but they've got the same sort of pouchy eyes. Yeah, they do look similar. There's something about them Definitely, that yeah. makes you think that Claude Rains is David Lean's presence in the film. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> yes. it's just coincidence. I think it's coincidence, because <laughs> they do just look similar. I, yeah. I don't think there's any... I need an actor that looks like me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's very interesting. I thought that as well. And his general... So Dryden requests him, and the general thinks that Lawrence is insubordinate and yeah. doesn't salute he has to yeah. tell him to salute interestingly uh, Lawrence is played by Peter O'Toole yes he was um, Marlon Brando was going to play him yes. originally and and yeah. then I think Albert Finney was screen tested yeah. for it and eventually they came out with Peter O'Toole this was, who was a not a major film star mm. before this and it's funny because Peter O'Toole's quite tall yeah the real Lawrence was quite small oh, in fact really? in fact I think I can't remember who it was. I think it may have been the general. I think it's General Murray. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Um, called someone called him a pipsqueak, uh, <laughs> describing his sort of shortness. But in this, Lawrence's uh, Peter O'Toole is tall. Obviously, yeah. you can't really change that. And but they've got his his suit. His uh, uniform doesn't quite fit. His, yeah. his trouser legs are <laughs> halfway up. And on his way to meet the general, he walks into the officers' club, and he's quite a bumbling idiot. Isn't yes. He? Yeah. Um, which I read someone was quite annoyed about that saying Lawrence wasn't an idiot like mm. that it's, it's, it's um, not true but I, I thought that was just sort of giving the impression that he doesn't quite fit in yeah because um, yeah. later he does walk around quite nobly you know mm. so. yes once he's in the uh, Arab attire and yes, that's a lot yeah. more comfortable so yeah but that's quite a funny scene where you, you do get to know his character quite quickly yeah. with those original with those initial scenes which are very good so the next thing he's he's put on a camel yeah and he's off with this character Tafas who's his Bedouin guide yeah going across the desert off to meet Faisal apparently the scenes in um of them going across the desert took a month to shoot really and the actor who played the Bedouin who's a Pakistan actor I think this was his first major film as well, although he was quite a minor character, really. Mm. He says a scene where he tells Lawrence to drink just one cup, and David Lean made him do it something like 26 times, and he couldn't <laughs> understand why. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way he worked. Yeah. Of course, one thing to say about this film is that it was filmed in all the you know actual locations, really. I mean, it was filmed in the desert. It was filmed in Jordan. Yeah. 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 And that really... I mean in the making of documentary they show that they had to keep the cameras in uh, and no, I didn't see that I saw, oh, right. I saw that years ago but I didn't watch it this time oh, right. so yeah they had to keep the cameras in refrigerated compartments right and there's all sorts of things and also of course they had to protect them from the sand and everything yes. yeah. all sorts of uh, difficulties they had to overcome but of course it seems worth it you know seeing it you can't imagine this being filmed on a you know a back lot no <laughs> no the other thing I mean my I didn't watch the extra but I did I do have a David Lean book, yeah. um, which I bought because it's two of my favourite people. It's um, about David Lean, but it's written by Kevin Brownlow, who I also really like. And I, I haven't read it. I haven't started reading it yet, but I did start reading the chapters on uh, Lawrence of Arabia just for this. Yeah. I highly recommend this book, by the way, even though I haven't read it. Um, <laughs> and one of the things it's, it mentions about filming in the desert was, was they had to be really careful to brush away all the footprints yes yeah because there were so many yeah. and um, David Lean would get irate of course if suddenly someone would walk across mm. when he just spent uh, so long brushing it clean because it had to look as though there were just two people in the desert yeah and then there was a thousand miles desert around them when actually there was an army of people behind the camera mm, yeah. um, all kinds of 
technical crew and, and things. And of course, the next major scene that happens is also perhaps the most famous in the film, yeah. where Lawrence. Well, uh, just before you say uh, that, talking of famous scenes, there is one before that where again he does the ma- he he oh, puts yes, out yeah. the match, and then instantly you see the sunrise in the desert. Yeah, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's just leaps from that, and then suddenly you're into the desert mm. from this Cairo bustling city into nature. Yes, you know, yeah. fantastic. Anyway, yeah. yes, the famous scene. Yeah, where um, Lawrence and his his guide uh, come to a well to drink, and Omar Sharif, I think it's Sheriff Ali or Sheriff Ali, yes, starts approaching from the very distance. And at first, of course, he's in that, he's in that sort of mirage. One of the things about this film is they said they they've captured what a mirage looks like, mm. and it's of course where the very the very uh, horizon is um, distorted by heat waves. It looks like liquid. Yeah, it? and so it seems like, a, you know, a camel rider on the horizon is actually riding on air. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So you see um, him approach from the very far distance. And it's a long... I was going to say it's a long shot. It's a yeah. long shot in that it's very far away. Mm. I, th- I think it said that it started with nothing in the frame yeah. and ends with his head and shoulders yeah. <laughs> coming into frame and... But it's also long, as in it takes its time. Mm. The David Lean said it took ten minutes, and he wished he'd kept the whole ten minutes in. It was that <laughs> powerful. He thinks he could have done it. <laughs> and the other technical thing is, there's from the well, there's a path leading yeah. to Omar Sharif. There's a, there's a couple actually. I think there's there's a white, or it looks yellow in the film mm. path. But there would be a path to a well, of course. So that's fine. Mm. And then there's some black stones as well, also kind of pointing towards him. Yeah. Um, so you, you kind of know where to look before he appears but it is a fantastic entrance <laughs> it is yeah and of course this was Omar Sharif's first major film it made him a star yeah in the I mean, he was he was he's an Egyptian actor and I think his star kind of faded in Egypt although he's very young yeah. he, he he wasn't massive but in Egypt he'd, he'd had some fame but right. was fading yeah and then this was international stardom after yeah. Arabia. but he is brilliant in the film yeah, yeah, a very charismatic presence, I think, throughout the whole film. He shoots Lawrence's companion for drinking at the well, mm. which um, apparently Lean's sort of political advisor said, who had been in Arabia, said that just wouldn't happen. Oh, right. Arabs would not shoot someone. They'd tell them to go away and be very angry, yeah. but to shoot someone would be considered very bad manners. <laughs> but, of course, it does encapsulate... The, the central difficulty Lawrence has at the beginning, which is that the tribes exactly. of Arabia are warring, yeah. rather than uniting and fighting the Turks. Yes, exactly. So it's sort of like filmic shorthand that you can you can forgive in terms of the story. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's one thing I think we should discuss, actually, which I think is the central point about this. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know whether we should leave us to the end, but why not? Because it's come up a couple of times already, which is the question of historical accuracy. Right. Now, should you be accurate... <laughs> should you be allowed to change things is there a middle ground I mean Lawrence T. Lawrence was a real person yeah um, are you allowed to just mess with someone's <laughs> life like that you know yeah. change it there is a now I think he's, a, he's sort of official biographer there's a biographer called Jeremy Wilson right and a coincidence one of my f- favourite books I've read recently is called Why Evolution is True this has nothing to do with this but it's about evolution so I followed the author of that has got a blog and I follow that sometimes and this week the past week pretty coincidentally he's on a couple of blog entries about Lawrence of Arabia because he's one <laughs> right. of his heroes and he went to visit where he lives 
and he did the link to this Jeremy Wilson guy who did a talk at the Imperial War Museum about the accuracy of Lawrence of Arabia right. so I ended up reading that mm-hmm. and he thinks it should be just called Smith in the Desert it's so <laughs> inaccurate yeah. he's, he's asked the question is it 100% accurate 75 50 25 or 0 yeah. he, he's saying it's, it's just not accurate at all and I was reading it thinking oh wow that's different that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong but then I, I'm re- I'm also been listening to an audiobook while I've been drawing about Lawrence of Arabia um I've not been concentrating on fully while I'm working, but quite a lot of things in the film did. I haven't read Seven Pillars of Wisdom, which yeah. is Lawrence's book, Biography. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah which he wrote, yeah. which is this is kind of based on. Have you read that? I started reading it. Yeah, it's an enormous book, and I didn't. Oh it. right, right, <laughs> okay. But he's really talking about this dialogue didn't happen. This would this would never have happened, and it's kind of the small stuff. Yeah. I mean, look at the small stuff. You know, most of it didn't happen. Yeah. He'd never said this. These two never met at this place. But the overall... And, and he, I think he's saying it does not portray Lawrence uh, as he was. Mm. Which is... I mean, he he knows about Lawrence Arabia. I don't, so um, <laughs> I'm sure he's right. But I think of, of the overall story, if you know nothing about it, yeah, yeah you are going to get a distorted version. Yeah. And there's a question about that. But the overall thing you're getting the st- the basic story in yeah. a shape you you know it may be you're getting us an orb a circle <laughs> of the story when actually it's um yeah. you know a, a, a spiky, hexagonal spiky yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> round shaped but yeah. but more lumpy with that <laughs> anyway um well i think actually it's this is something i'm really interested in how we make stories out of real things and i mean for me having no no knowledge of the historical accuracy i'm much happier having it as a good story and feeling as though i've got the story there without the facts whereas if i knew some of the facts i'd probably be sitting there sit there thinking no that's wrong that's wrong so i don't think there is a perfect way to do it short of adding annotations you know right. saying this isn't quite right well i uh, when we talked about the man who would be king yeah. now i know about the afghan war and i picked up the tiny little things that no one would care about yeah. saying that's wrong about the afghan war by the way but who cares right yeah and i just blathered on for a few minutes about something that only i care about yeah, so jeremy wilson quite rightly yeah. would pick up on all these facts because um, he knows the truth and there is a question when you're when you're telling a story to someone about something that actually happened. Surely people have got a right to know the truth. Mm. Then against that is the fact that well, then that's a documentary. Yes, <laughs> and this is an entertaining film. Then against that is is you could say well, um, well no, for that you could say, and to make it an entertaining film, you mm. have to have apply some dramatic conventions. Yeah, it has to have some dynamics. You have to have. Uh, a fall before triumph or triumph and then a fall or whatever that kind of thing and I thought that and I thought oh but also isn't that what makes it a good story in the first place isn't the fact that it's got those things in reality Mm. is that why people have been captivated by the story of Lawrence Arabia anyway (laughs) so therefore why not just be truthful yeah of course to be totally truthful in something like this that's so politically intricate yes you'd have to as you say have so many footnotes in the film (laughs) it would become unwatchable probably so you have yeah. to shortcut it yeah and a lot of the characters and there's four characters i think that are real of the main characters right there's lawrence there's yeah. prince faisal there's alda abu yeah. who's played by anthony quinn and there's general allenby right 
um, who's a general who comes in and kind of supports Lawrence. And then you've got Sheriff Ali, played by Omar, Omar Sharif. I think he's very much based on someone who was, I think, called uh, Sheriff Ali or something similar. Yeah. But he's, I think he's kind of fictional, mm. but based on one of the mm. real ones. And then there's Bentley, the journalist. He is based on an actual journalist called Lowell Thomas, who only spent a week with Lawrence, actually. Colonel Brighton, played by Anthony Quayle, who I really like as a character in this film. Yeah. And Quayle's brilliant in it. But he is a composite character of lots of British... Yeah. Um, he's, he's kind of the representative British officer with the Arabs. <laughs> right. When actually there were quite a few. Mm. And Mr Dryden, of course, the politician. He represents all the politicians that were buzzing around <laughs> this this um, scene, the, yeah. the First World War in Arabia. Um, so he's fictional. But you've got to. Uh, yeah. If you, too many characters, you can't. There's too many points of view there's treaties and points flying around everywhere yeah what else can you do <laughs> really so yes you can have the documentary but I my experience is you see a film like this if you're captivated by it you think you think what's the truth mm. when I saw um, is it Richard Attenborough or David yeah <laughs> David Attenborough Chaplin that'd be different wouldn't it <laughs> Richard Attenborough's Chaplin that made me want to go and find out about the real Chaplin right and then I saw oh that film's got all oh, this is wrong is wrong is wrong although yeah. it's still a great film I don't mind so I guess maybe it's not if there was a film about the Afghan war I'd probably pick it to bits mm. but but actually I think you've got I understand you've got to do that for a story mm. so that's my view I think yeah there's a certain sort of artistic compression and heightening of bits just to make it work more as a story and there's things one of um uh, Wilson's other main complaints is the chronology. Right. This didn't happen then. This was put before. This yeah. was put after. Things were uh, consolidated. But again, you have to for, a, for yeah. a film. And the film's so famous. Yeah. <laughs> when when people now think of Lawrence of Arabia, I think they think of the film. Yeah. Although Lawrence of Arabia himself was famous, would he still be as famous today without mm. David Lean's film? Yeah. Well, who knows? <laughs> well, one of the things that I kept on thinking about throughout this film is the original epic because this is an epic mm. the original epic which is Homer's uh, you know Iliad and that survived because it's such a great story but it was based I presume it's based on actual events the fall of Troy right and you just know that no, you know I, I'm sure scholars look at the, the Iliad and say none of this happened <laughs> but it doesn't matter really does it it's because the culture almost demands a certain form of myth and story, and that's what survives, and that's what people respond to. Yes, yeah, that's a very good point. I yeah. think that's true. Okay, so we dealt with history. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, now we can go on. Um, no, it is very interesting. I mean, but I do think that's the that's a really interesting point about historical mm. films. You do get things like there's the famous um, what, what's the the code, the encoding machine, oh, Enigma. the Enigma, Enigma, yeah. where the Americans make the film, and it's them who <laughs> who discovered the Enigma machine, when actually it was the British. Yeah, yeah obviously. There are certain political lines that are very easily trodden on. Yes, I mean, there's no real reason for that, apart yeah. from that Americans generally won't watch a film unless there's an American hero in it. Yeah. Anyway, talking about some of the real characters there, Peter O'Toole plays Lawrence, Alec Guinness plays Prince Faisal. Yes. And there's a few... All the main Arab characters are played by uh, Western actors. <laughs> Alec Guinness had played Lawrence himself in a stage play. Really? I think it was called Ross or something, which was Lawrence's pseudonym when he went into the Air Force right. after all this. But he's very good, and apparently he based his accent on uh, Omar Sharif when he mm. met him. <laughs> yes. 
Anthony Quinn plays Alda Abu Tayi with a false nose. I want to say a funny story I read just before you came. I was, I was trying to read as much of the David Lean book as possible on the chapters. And this was the last bit I read before you turned up today. It was Anthony Quinn wouldn't fly out to the set. He hated flying. And then he was eventually persuaded he wouldn't fly in a twin engine, but he would fly in a four engine, which was safer, he, he thought. Yeah. So David Lean and his crew are waiting, and they see the. Oh, they had to hire a plane from the Jordanian Royal Air Force for the for the four engine plane, and they see the plane coming into land, and they're watching, and they think, shouldn't he have his wheels down by now? And as he gets lower and lower, the wheels still haven't come down, and eventually, basically, the plane belly flops into the sand. <laughs> sort of a crash landing, really. But um, and the door opens, and out comes Anthony Quinn. He's got his nose on, and his nose is dark brown. And he's completely white as a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he got out and said a swear word. Said, well, I guess we don't read the steps then. And <laughs> walked past everyone, got into his Jeep and drove off. <laughs> Which apparently impressed David Lean because it was, right, he yeah. looked quite brave. But I thought it was quite funny. Um, and uh, Jack Hawkins plays General Allenby. Uh, and Anthony Kale, Quayle plays Colonel Brighton. Who's, so, so those are the main, main mm. characters. Claude Rains, as you said, plays Dryden. Yeah. And the initial meeting is um, Colonel Brighton has been with Prince Faisal for a while, and he says, "Just, just come along and sit in the meeting. Don't say anything." That's uh, just from some stuff I've read. That's in a- uh, Lawrence was actually the first oh. Englishman to go out and meet Faisal's army. Oh, so that right. that that is inaccurate. Yeah. Does it matter? Who knows? <laughs> anyway. Well, the funny thing is that the scene where that happens, obviously, what happens is they um, Lawrence sits in on the meeting tries to keep quiet and can't help it but speaks up mm. and that's the point where his relationship with Prince Faisal begins yes he says um, I think Faisal says he's saying I can't remember what they're talking about but he says to Lawrence and what do you think and Lawrence says I think he's very far to Damascus yeah. and what that means to Prince Faisal is Damascus is the possible capital for a, mm. an independent Arab nation. Right. So that means something to Faisal. It, Lawrence is saying to him, yeah, I know what you want. Right, I, yeah. I, you want an independent... You see, the background to all this is um, there's this treaty or this agreement uh, called Sykes-Picot Agreement, which was the British and the French were going to divide up the Arab world as to who had a mandate for which bit right. because this is the dissolution of the Ottoman Empire the Turks yeah. the background is in case you don't know First World <laughs> War the Turks are allied to the Germans so yes. the British and the French are fighting the Turks in the Middle East now, our great grandfather Charles Hodgkins fought the Turks at the Dardanelles Gall- ah, Gallipoli right. is Gallipoli. The, mo- mm-hmm. the more famous battle especially for Australians so anyway that's, who, that's the background the Ottoman Empire which has been ruled over the Middle East for hundreds of years yeah. is is falling apart. I think it was falling apart before the First World War. But So obviously, when the Turks are vanquished, mm. what's going to happen to these former Ottoman Empire? Well, the British and the French are going to want to control yeah. various aspects. They're still in the imperial stages of their, uh, their thinking. <laughs> yeah. So the whole point about Lawrence is he's for the Arabs. He wants the Arabs to have their own independent nation, mm. free of the British rule. Even though he's British... Mm. Um, his interest is for the Arabs and by saying I think it's very far because they're talking about where are they going to go and he says he says I think well, I've forgotten the name of it Yenbo or something he says it's very far from Damascus mm. Damascus being the prize of a capital 
a Syrian capital, which is the capital of Syria now. So I think then he's saying that's what he's talking about. Yeah. So that's a point for Faisal. Mm. He, oh, oh, this guy's and interesting. Also, <laughs> of course, Lawrence does uh, complete a quote from the Quran as well, showing that he yes. knows. You know, he's not just an ignorant outsider. Exactly, and that the the. the one thing I found quite funny was the imam reading from the Quran there what a, a fantastic British accent yes <laughs> he doesn't even seem to be making an attempt at being an Arab <laughs> actually that was one scene in the making of documentary they say they kept on cracking up oh really yeah they had great difficulty getting through it why was that do you know I don't know maybe because I don't know if yeah. it's an accent but that really stood out I thought you got because all the others are so good oh, no, I do know sorry yeah, I remember now it's because the, the bloke couldn't remember his lines oh really the bloke reading out the Quran because <laughs> it was all such he could even read from them <laughs> <laughs> it was such old because you know it was old fashioned style wording and he'd get it mixed up oh I see I see <laughs> anyway Faisal keeps Lawrence back doesn't he mm. and so that's the beginning as you say of their, of their relationship but that scene it's funny I was watching last night made in Dagenham <laughs> oh, a film about a, a, it's a modern historical film yeah which is about um, is that the shoe factory no it's about Ford Ford factory in oh, Dagenham okay. where the women are classed as unskilled labour even though they're skilled and they go on strike and eventually win equal pay or the first step towards equal pay right that has got a scene in which this woman is asked into a meeting just to make up the numbers. Oh, right. And she can't, and she has this, the Lawrence reaction as well. She automatically starts saying something, then stops herself, and they say, go on, say it. And then she comes out, and she's the passionate one. Right. And it's her message that gets through. Yeah, know? yeah. And so it's, it's sort of like a filmic scene. Yes. You know, isn't it? Yeah. There's a little scene before as well. I don't, we don't want to go through every scene, but <laughs> where Lawrence is approaching. Uh, Faisal's camp on his own he discovers he can sing this echo the man the man who broke the bank up Monte <laughs> Carlo wasn't it and he is echoing yeah and um, apparently Peter O'Toole felt really silly really? he thought he thought he wouldn't do that he said to David Lean but David Lean had to persuade him to do it yeah. and there was another thing that J- um, Jeremy Wilson said that didn't happen he wouldn't have done that that would be ridiculous <laughs> to do that in the desert but you know it's an interesting yeah it's a character moment it's a character moment exactly um, so we'll move, move ahead a bit Lawrence decides that they should take Akabar mm. and Faisal gives him 50 men yeah but he says you can't take Akabar with 50 men but his idea is to cross this um, desert the Nefer Desert which is this he says if 50 men come out of the Nefer Desert we'll be able to we'll impress yeah um, the Arabs there's the habitat tribe on the other side they're hoping to pick get them to join them mm. um, and he does this without Brighton's knowledge apparently yeah plus um, Akabar has got guns but they're all facing out to sea because yeah. the point about Akabar is that that's a seaport and the, if the British own that they would be able to supply the Arabs with guns exactly. and so on it would yeah. be a great uh, strategic point yes but all the guns are facing out to sea so if it's attacked from land which the people in Akabar think it's going to happen. They're not expecting it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then th- they'll be able to win because hmm. they won't be facing the guns. Yes. So this is this is the real stuff of, of adventure now, yeah. going into the unknown. Yeah. Now there's no lost cities or anything here. In fact, there's <laughs> just nothing. <laughs> but the it's very exciting, isn't it? I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a real whether they're going to make it or not. It's really it's real. It's the real tension of the scene. Also, there's a sort of slight comedy between. Um, Lawrence and Sheriff Ali well I think they're trying to out 
I, I wrote down there they're trying to out desert each other <laughs> where you know they're trying to be you know like oh, I can't remember the little things they do but you need know, just trying to show that he knows how to live in the desert right you know, yes yes little things by yeah. how they sleep how they sit on a camel <laughs> you know yeah but they say actually in all these films so far I think there's been a point where they cross either a sea or a desert you know that's like this endurance test or the thing that shows that they're going a, a long way yes or they're doing something major you know? yeah yeah you've got to have that sort of bit off the map yeah uh, we've <laughs> talked about before and and although this isn't really going to these lost places i think all the other films have been have they well not not um hidden fortress but it's going to these lost places where where no yeah. white man has been <laughs> type thing <laughs> and this is kind of that for this film isn't yeah. it it's going across this now pa- apparently in reality and we've already discussed the historical aspect but he didn't do that he went round to the north <laughs> across a well uh, the, the path that the Arabs normally use right um, he did but anyway for the film yes you need this scene because it's it's an endurance mm. test he proved himself to the Arabs that's the main thing because we talked about this earlier this is where yeah. they lose one of the men yeah and they say well it's written he's lost we can't go back that would, that would put the whole thing in jeopardy but Lawrence with his principles has to go back and get this man yeah and he does and that's when they start is this yeah. when they call him uh, Lawrence yeah Lawrence. Well, this is shortly after that he gets dressed in Arab he, he's, he's given <clears throat> the Arab costume yes. and the gold dagger yeah the robes yeah and he sort of goes off on his own and he sort of prances around yeah poses a bit yes and that that's like, you know I said Peter at all thought the echo bit was silly and he wants to do it yeah. this was the other bit in the film he thought the prancing around was silly no. but David Lean said well what would you do you know as a young man how would you he said well I didn't, wouldn't have a mirror I'd want to see myself in the mirror but I haven't got one so I'd draw my dagger and look in the no. reflection in the dagger so that's what no. he's doing there so that was Peter O'Toole's idea. Yeah. But he also had to do the prancing around, which he didn't like. <laughs> it was uh, offset by the looking the dagger. He's also, earlier, he's joined by two other characters, Farage and Dowd, yes. who become his servants. Mm. They cross the desert with him, so yeah. um, they're with him by now as well. And of course, as he's standing there posing in this new Arab gear, that's when Abu Tai makes his appearance yeah in the film in reality he's with him already um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just every now and interject with what I've learnt about the reality of the situation just because it's interesting it's, but yes it's always deflating isn't yeah. it yeah but it's a brilliant scene <laughs> yeah um, so this is Anthony Quinn he's funny yeah. <laughs> isn't he he's yeah. really a dry sense of humour his character and he look. I mean he looks so impressive mm. um, Omar Sharif looked impressive all in black yeah uh, that's impressive when he turns up this is a different kind of impressive because yeah. Sharif doesn't have that he's more refined yes you might think more of a noble well no noble's the wrong word because Quinn's quite noble but um well Abu Tai is a bit of a bandit because mm. he's known him him and his people are known for working for money yes uh, and so he's a bit rugged and in fact I think they're kind of on the side of the Turks at the moment yeah well, well they are they're being yeah. paid by the Turks yeah they? that's true yeah but he's I, I love the scene where Lawrence is saying oh I've heard of um uh, I've, I've heard of an Al Abu and he describes him. Oh, he wouldn't come and do this. And that yeah, thing. he wouldn't. He, he says, oh, "I don't recognise him," and he wouldn't need to call for his backup. Lawrence says, "He, he says, oh, that's not me. I do need to call for my backup." And then comes this boy, who's his son. Yeah, <laughs> yes. very funny. But of course, they're drinking at the well of um, the Hawatat. Is it? Yes, the Hawatat tribe. Yeah which we've already seen is a dangerous thing to do yeah <laughs> um, but Lawrence calms them and gets them to at least 
talk he invites them to his camp yeah and to cut a long story short he, he gets him to join him so that they yeah. will attack Akabar. he convinces so, uh, him by saying that the Turk because the Turks have been paying Abu Tai and Lawrence says well of course the Turks have got their money in Akabar, and basically he's promising um, all the you know all the gold that he can loot yeah <laughs> but he also suggests that perhaps he wouldn't want to do it for the money which is not a noble thing he'd yeah. want to do it for I can't remember what, he, what does he say he wants to do it for because he chooses to yes I think yes. that's the sort of face saving cover to yes. the actual reason he's just the well, real cause, reason because everyone's watching this meeting yeah. of course yeah that's true yeah yeah very yeah I think on my favourite line in the whole film, which is where every time he says, "My mother mated with a scorpion," <laughs> <laughs> meaning that he, he's a, got a sting in his tongue. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> also, actually, one thing you said about this film earlier on is that supposedly the only women in it, the only female. This in was it, a fact I'd heard yes. for ages that the only female in the film. <laughs> And I heard this before I saw the film. Yeah. Was one of the camels. Yes. Uh, and when you watch the film, of course, it's not true. Yeah, you see them in the back. But of course, um, it was true that they use a lot of locals, and none of the uh, the um, Muslim women would be filmed. None of the husbands would let them be filmed. Yeah. Because it yeah. was. Um, so all the women extras you see are Christians. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Right, right. Because you see them in the background of the um, the scene where they're at Abu Tai's camp. I mean, there are no main female characters in no, this. No. You see them. You see them uh, sort of singing them away, shouting the yeah. la 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 yeah. uh, thing that they do, <laughs> which is quite an impressive scene yeah. as they go. You see, well, that's and a bit earlier in the camp when they're leaving mm. the camp, and then when they're lining the uh, cliffs, the rocks. Yeah. I think the only other time you see women is is at the, um, the massacre. The massacre. Yeah. 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 Yes, and they're dead, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that myth busted. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can no longer. My fact now is uh, it's apparently only the camel, but that's not true. It's, it's, it's a double fact. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a fact, then give you another fact to disprove it. <laughs> Um, so the attack on Akaba. Yes. It's quite impressive, isn't it? <laughs> um, these it's a long shot and these camels and horses mm. the speed they're going. I mean this kind of goes with the feeling same same excitement I had in Hidden Fortress where you see them fighting on horseback or running down the steps, you think a little bit of your brain goes God, that must have been dangerous. I mean yeah. there's no computer graphics here. No. And uh, David Lean got the actors to do a lot of they're just standard right I don't know if they're in this one, but just the standard riding of camel scenes where you might get an extra. Yeah. He insisted like Peter O'Toole yeah. sat on his actual camel yes. and did all the camel riding so that they looked right. Yeah, he had a camel. trainer. And apparently Anthony Quinn was quite nervous about his horse he had. Oh. And then David Lean said to him, Look, I'm gonna take this in one take and he was quite <laughs> impressed because Anthony Quinn just kind of snapped into it. Even though he was nervous of the horse, he did oh. it and they got it and he kind of pretended to be masterful yeah. and uh, actually was. <laughs> um, in, there's a little funny bit. In reality, apparently in the attack on Akbar, Lawrence almost got killed, but it wasn't through being shot at by Turks. It was because he accidentally shot his own camel in the head. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and the camel went over, and obviously, and uh, yeah. Lawrence almost died through falling off his dead camel. <laughs> oh, yes, apparently the real Akbar is actually... I did think, oh, that looks like, you know, They've obviously tried to make it as much a town as possible. Yeah. It's not actually that big. Apparently, the real Akbar at that time was actually smaller oh, right. than that. <laughs> um, but anyway, impressive scene because mm. you just you're up on the hill basically, and you just see them sweep through the town. I think it's fantastic. Mm. There's one funny little moment where you see um, the Turks 
Oh, you see a, a Turkish pin-up over like yes. a belly dance. So yeah. quite funny. <laughs> I don't know how Islamic that is, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> so uh, Abutai can't find the gold he was promised. He finds paper. paper it's just paper. It's yeah. lots of money, but it's useless to him. So Lawrence promises him that he'll get his gold, and to do this, he needs to cross do another mammoth crossing of a desert. Yes, yes, on, on his own, or basically him and his two crosses the Sinai because he's yeah. going. He needs to go to Cairo to inform the British that they've taken Aqaba. Yes, yeah. So he goes off with Faraj and Daud. Uh, the factual bit was apparently he he did cross this desert, but mm. he went with eight. Right, I think he went with eight people. Yeah, and on this, Daud dies. Doesn't yeah. he? he? He falls in quicksand. Quicksand, yeah. Which is apparently I looked up. I was just curious about quicksand. I mean, yeah. there's, there's different kinds, aren't there? But this is quicksand in the desert. Apparently, it's very rare. Right. And because it's a mixture of the water and the sand, I think. Oh. And it's almost impossible to die in, actually. Right. So this is very much a um, a dramatic yeah event. Um, in reality, Dad didn't die in quicksand. Right. I'm not even sure they went with him across the Sinai I'm not sure <laughs> anyway but there's this other great scene fantastic they they come out of the desert now only Lawrence and Farage baked yeah <laughs> they come to this ruin uh, it's quite a long scene and that builds up to when they look over and you see the funnel of the ship yes and it's going down the Suez Canal yeah. right, probably which is really yeah it's almost like a surreal moment they're in you think they're in a yes. desert yes. and there's a ship going yeah. right and then they call to the bloke on the other side yeah, motorcyclist. Yeah. Would he, I'm not sure he'd stop for two hours. Yeah, that's what I thought. At him, but but um, of course, it's again, it works with the film. Although in time of war, maybe you think, who is that? Who but are it, you? Who are you? He calls. Some people have said this is a, you know, a major point in the film because, of course, Lawrence can't answer. Who right. are you? Who are you? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I d- didn't quite get that, but I do feel as though at that point you feel as though Lawrence has been through this immense experience. Mm. You know, he's he's seen battle, He's he's done quite impressive things he's gone through the Nefford and rescued that man yeah. oh and shot him yeah that's a pivotal scene where he has to execute the man he rescued yeah because explain that bit this is back before they well, well uh, Alda Abu Tayi the two tribes one of the men from the Harith kills one of the men from the Hawatat so now the Hawatat demand revenge mm. but if they kill him then that'll start then it just goes on yeah I mean you know that's the trouble with war <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with revenge I mean yeah. so Lawrence says well if I kill him then you won't have to take revenge yeah. they, they agree so that's when he discovers it's the man he shot and he yeah. has to kill him and that's true he did have to oh really I don't think it was Yay! the same yeah <laughs> I, I, I can't remember if he actually rescued a man in the desert yeah I, I think he did actually yes right. I think he did but I'm not sure surely that's got to be fictionalised where it's the same man yeah um, anyway uh, he did have to shoot a bloke, yeah. although he didn't do it in front of everyone. He took him, right? But he missed him at first. Oh god! Uh, he shot him and it didn't kill him. And he had to carry on. He was shaking and crying. Yeah. I mean, as you'd guess, my god, what a terrible thing! But this does change. Yeah. Lawrence. So that changes the desert, the battle. Yeah. So when he's in Cairo, this is my favourite scene, where he takes Farage into the officers. Club. Yes. Yeah. Suddenly we're back in the British class system. Yeah. Um everything done properly and these as far as people can tell these two Arabs walk in mm. the shock yeah. and he's just so reverent to it all it's, I love that scene it's, it's really sticking yeah. you know because then all these officers are going well how dare you yeah. they're proved wrong yeah. especially when Allenby comes back with him as his guest 
um, now Major Lawrence. He's promoted to Major yes. for taking Akbar. Yeah. Brilliant scene. I love it. I just that's one of those emotional highs in the film I think but that, this is actually a moment that comes that's discussed in um, The Hero's Journey by oh, right. uh, Campbell Joseph Campbell Joseph Campbell yeah where the hero having left his home village or where his home gone on an adventure comes back there's always a moment where he comes back and realises that he's changed but the world he's come back to hasn't yeah, right, right. and he has to readjust to that yes and that's what's happening here yeah. you almost feel as though Lawrence has gone into such a different world done such different things and he comes back and he's not you know he doesn't know how to relate to his fellow officers anymore he yes. didn't before yes he was, <laughs> he was a bit out of sorts already yeah and now he's perhaps found something that's maybe more his home I don't know yeah, intellectually yeah. maybe but yeah exactly that yeah, he's, yeah. he's even I mean he's he's covered in the sand of the desert he's dressed as a a, a native yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's bringing an Arab boy in yeah um fantastic stuff and uh, there's a bit there's a great political scene here where Alan B and, and Dryden turns up mm. as well doesn't he and they say you know who's going to have these lands and Lawrence says no one will Arabia's for the Arabs now yeah and um, there's a look from Dryden and uh, Alan B says have we any ambitions in Arabia and Dryden goes oh difficult question yeah <laughs> yes because of the Sykes-Picot agreement yeah which in the film Lawrence doesn't know anything about the Sykes-Picot agreement right he might suspect in reality he did know about it yeah. he knew he which is interesting I think that's possibly more dramatic in some ways because he was working for the Arabs wanting them to have their independence mm. to some degree whatever degree either total or partial yet he knew his masters were talking mm. about carving up the Middle East yeah. I mean that's that was a great cause of yeah. turmoil, yeah. conflict within him. Yeah, I mean in the film it seems bl more blatantly as though he doesn't know about it. Yeah. Maybe he does, and he's got yeah. that. Well, in reality, he spent three years afterwards trying to get the Arabs' autonomy. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, he so, went to yeah. the peace conference um, as Faisal's advisor. Oh, actually, right, with sure. Faisal, yeah, yeah. 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 Now, uh, then, I don't know if your disc has this, but I've got an intermission. Yes. On my DVD, which I yeah. love, actually. It's like, I remember going to cinema and seeing, I think, uh, Bridge Too Far had an intermission. Oh, really? Lots of films had intermissions. Yeah, any long film. Well, every, every yeah. film, wise. you can buy ice creams. And also, before the, uh, and when it starts playing again, there's a, a an overture of there's music. There's the music, blank screen. Yeah. And then I loved that. I, I sat there, I thought, I thought, should I fast forward this, because it's a three-hour film? I thought, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what the experience yeah, is. Yeah. And then when the Columbia logo came up eventually, I was like, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the overture. Yeah. And then having it again, mm. the beginning of, I really felt, oh, anticipation. I thought, that's one of my favourite things about watching it. I thought, this is just like being at the cinema. <laughs> All I didn't have was popcorn or chocolate. I just had a cup of tea. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> so yes, intermission. And then the second film's quite, half the film's quite different from the first half, I felt. Mm. I mean, I don't know if it was just because of the intermission, I think even without it, I'd have felt as though the second half was very different. Yeah. Well, in a way, the first half is an adventure. Mm. You know, he, he starts, yeah. goes away, yes, comes yeah. back, has changed, and he's achieved something. Yeah. And sort of that's where the other films finish. But yes. now we go on a bit more. And it's a, in a way, that's when you see the thing, the 
ideals start to tarnish. Oh, you know, yeah, that's where the difficult crumbles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. So we introduced the American journalist Bentley, mm. who's based on a real person, Lowell Thomas. Yeah. Lowell Thomas, who actually only spent a week with Lawrence, mm. he toured a film and a talk. Mm. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it's mainly about General Allenby. Right. But it also included, I think it was called With, with Allenby... Uh, something and then and with Lawrence in Arabia mm. but he discovered that people what they really reacted to was the Lawrence story so he started to build that up and mm. that grew the myth of Lawrence yeah. so it's really due to the journalist mm. uh, now in this he's, he's he's made into a much more major character yeah uh, there's one thing that, uh, almost in his very first scene I'm not sure if this is right but he goes up to an Arab and, say, and to introduce himself and to mm. ask where to find Prince Faisal mm. and he says to him can you read Yes. And I think that Arab is the bloke who wrote, read the Quran. I thought earlier. it was the Imam, yes. Yeah, so yes. it's almost like extremely, you know, it's a. Um, that's at Akbar, isn't it? Yes. Yes, that's back yeah. at Akbar, yeah. And there's an interesting thing, he's talking to Faisal, but Faisal can tell he's really interested in Lawrence because he's heard of Lawrence. Mm. But he is, he is quite open about his motives. He says that yeah. he's trying to get the American people interested in the war. Yes. And to do that, they need a hero. Because this was... And I don't know what year we're in now. It's either 16 or 17. I think it's probably 1917. Mm. When the chronology's all tumbled up. I think America came into the war in 1917. Right. Quite late. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think it was 1917, not, not 16. Yeah. But yes, he that was one of the things he said he wanted to do anyway. Of course, journalists will say anything to get their story. <laughs> <laughs> but he, certainly in the film, he doesn't come across as the, you know as a sort of underhand character no not really no he's no not not at all actually no he's quite a sympathetic character um i like faisal in all his scenes he kind of seems to know what that is actually going on mm. and in fact i think he does know about the sykes pickett agreement he knows right he knows the possibilities there now is this yes this is the attack on the train which is yeah. spectacular this is the what the, the scene i'm most familiar with i think i've oh, right. seen it several times yeah. you know. you're still awake <laughs> <laughs> But that train actually crashes. Yes. Now, I was you. I didn't get to the part in the book where I really wanted to find out how <laughs> they did that, but I guess they did it by doing it. I, mean, I know <laughs> when they got to uh, Jordan and were filming there, there was a lot of the railway, and I think King Hussein said you can use some of the old oh. uh, trains, and I didn't actually get to find out if that's what they did. They found an old train and were yeah. able to actually blow it up, but that's real. Yeah. And how amazing it looks compared to it as if it was would have been a digital yes, thing. Even yeah. with today's technology, it wouldn't have been as good. You yeah. see that iron crash into the yeah. sand, and as it continues along, the smoke still puffing out along yeah. the ground. And the sand and steam. Yeah. And, yeah, it's and then the Arabs are shooting, and then you, you get um, Bentley. He, he's shoot, popping up and shooting with his camera, <laughs> then, then ducking back down, then pops up and takes another photograph. Yeah. It's quite funny. There's an interesting thing that that uh, Lawrence knew that the Arabs were good at this guerrilla warfare. Right. That's where they were useful. Yeah. And they could keep harrying the Turks, um, which would keep them occupied and away from the British who were moving on to, I think, Jerusalem or something. Right. And apparently, uh, what this, this book, audiobook I've been listening to about Lawrence, he suggests that today's terrorists... Uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan mm. are a direct descendant of Lawrence's fame in these guerrilla attacks. Really? That's what they learnt. The IDEs, the you know, the explosive devices and stuff like that mm. comes from Lawrence, the Lawrence era. Yeah. Although he was taking advantage mm. of the way the Arabs were good at fighting. Yeah. You know, he knew they didn't have artillery. That's one thing, isn't it? Faisal keeps asking for artillery. 
Yeah. But the British say, well, if you give them artillery, then there is a danger they become independent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they never give them artillery. <laughs> but they're able to these guerrilla attacks against the, the train lines, which yeah. is very disruptive, of course. And this is where we see Lawrence in full flight as Lawrence of Arabia mm. striding across the top of the uh, the train yeah. and the, the uh, journalist taking photos of him looking up. Yes. And, and of course, Lawrence is shot. Yeah, he is a man after all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting moment because in The Man Who Will Be King, the bloke's shot and that undermines the, the myth. Well, I was going to say he's almost like, Lawrence is almost like a deity in front of these yeah. as he's up there and then he gets shot. Yeah. And yeah, although it doesn't... I mean, he says, they believe they can only kill me with a golden bullet. Yes. So yeah. he's wounded, but the myth isn't tarnished. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I just... I love these films. I love seeing the little connections between them. Yeah. So, as you say, they mentioned the man who would be king. The music for Lawrence of Arabia, which is... I've been whisked had in my head since I've seen <laughs> it, um, is done by Maurice Shah, yeah. who also did the music for the man who would be king. Oh, did he? Yeah. So we're getting quite a small pool of um, composers for this because yeah. we've got Max Steiner who did King Kong, Lost Horizon, and She. Right. Oh, and um, the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Ah, right. And Maurice Shah has done The Man Who Would Be yeah. King and um, yeah. um, Lawrence of Arabia. And this was Maurice Shah's breakthrough film. Oh, was it? Because originally they were going to have three composers. Oh. David Lean said, I, I need some, you know, the two of them were more famous. I can't remember who they were. David Lean wanted, you know, those big themes. And two, the two less famous, more famous ones didn't come up with the goods in time. But Maurice Jarre did. And David Lean so much liked the desert theme that he gave him the whole job, basically. Oh, right. And of course, Maurice Jarre is father of Jean-Michel Jarre. Yes, yes. <laughs> who, uh, one of my first albums I got was Oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Anyway, yes. Brilliant music. It really is uh, astonishing. As is Max Steiner. We've had some these fil- these films are supported by some fantastic mm, music, aren't yeah. they? Now, next is the incident at Dera. Now, this this is quite an incident in the Seven Pillars of Wisdom that caused a lot of speculation. He wants the Arabs to take Dera, which is a bigger garrison town, mm. but he decides to go in himself. Yeah. And he goes. He goes in with Sherif Ali, yeah. and he gets captured by the Turks. And a rather sadistic Turkish general gets hold of him yeah. and uh, basically sexually assaults him. Yeah. Although we don't see that. No. It's unsaid in the film. Yeah. It's not really unsaid in... I think uh, in Seven Pillars of Wisdom it's quite a... Oh, uh, um, I don't know I, I don't know if, how much he describes in it. Yeah. It, but certainly he's not, he's not... That's an interesting thing. He's not averse to a lot of writers may have not included that yeah. or, or have not I mean who'd want to admit to yeah. being buggered by a Turk <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> but um, uh, you know quite a big uh, character changing well, yeah. moment to say the least I mean just before it he's sort of built up as being a, a little bit too full of himself because yeah. he, he, I mean, he says before it do you think I'm just anybody and you see him wandering around the town at one point he um, Sheriff Ali is saying oh don't make yourself too conspicuous and he says I'm invisible hmm. and also there's a moment where he walks across this puddle and it's almost like he's walking across water <laughs> he does say I can't remember, is this the bit before he goes into Zara or is it afterwards where he says who will walk on water with me yeah to the Arabs. I'm not sure I can't remember where that is but now it all seems to build up but <laughs> he's a bit full of himself and the way he's acting not full of himself but he, he's he's believing in the myth that he's invulnerable I get the feeling and I think this reflects his character He's building up the myth, 
yeah. on the outside, but he's torn on the inside. He knows he's a fake. Yeah, I think he knows that and right. feels guilty about it. So he's got this two these two sides. But this is the moment that really brings it home to him because he's yeah. brought. Well, he's quite got low. this uh, <laughs> uh, masochistic side to him. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been well. Some people would argue that, but with the pain yes. on the match so, and in fact that relates to this incident because he's able to control his pain mm. when he's captured by the Turks he's whipped mm. and at first the Turk looks at him because he doesn't wince out yes, from being whipped yeah. and the, yeah. he's got this control of pain and not not suggested openly but there is the possible suggestion that does he even enjoy it you Yeah, know? he keeps giving himself more and more impossible tasks yeah, did he have to go across the Nefford Desert? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, yes, it was the quickest for the film. Mm. It was the quickest route. Um, it's dramatic, you know, but he gives himself these tasks to do again mm. and again, almost, almost not caring about, you know, does he want to get killed? It's almost like yeah. he's putting himself up there. Certainly he's not indifferent because after this he becomes pretty much disgusted with... Mm himself the whole the whole myth he's built up the, the task he's doing i mean yeah. this is where you really believe that he knows that he's doing all this really for nothing because the british are going to walk in afterwards and mm. take it over you know mm. he he basically loses faith in himself yeah and in what he's trying to do yes yeah and he tries to get out of it doesn't he because he he gets back to jerusalem yeah. and sees allenby again and he asks to be given okay. any other task than yeah. this but yeah. at this point he's the only one who can see it through yes so he's, he's forced back into it and I think that's where he, back in Jerusalem is where in the film he learns about the Sykes-Picot agreement right I mean this is the thing that gave the British Palestine and the mandate of Palestine and of course then led to the Zionists having you know a homeland for the Jews mm. and it was divided up and now there's a big mess of trouble yeah <laughs> anyway let's not get into that no we're not going to solve it no. uh, <laughs> I'm sure we could but we, we, we don't have the extra 20 minutes we need um <laughs> No, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what's next. But basically, the next big thing is 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 going on towards Damascus. Yeah. So yeah, they persuade him to go back and lead the Arabs because Allenby wants to get the British onto Damascus, mm. and he, Lawrence is going to be with the Arabs, well, taking away the attention of the Turks to some mm. degree. But also, there's the other thing that uh, Lawrence said. I think he says to Fr- Prince Faisal that if the Arabs get there quickly enough, they can gain control of Damascus, yes. and they'll have the upper hand on the British. Yeah. And so the idea is to get the Arabs there as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. but they're distracted. They're distracted by a Turkish m- massacre at Talal. And and this is another bit that I was quoted from Seven Pillars of Wisdom as being quite true. I mean, I got confused over this because I read Jeremy Wilson's notes and, and he was saying how this wasn't true and that wasn't true. Yeah. And then Seven Pillars of Wisdom is quoted in this audio book I'm listening to and it seems very mm. accurate. In fact, it's... It's toned down in the film because some of the torture that the Turks put onto these Arabs is horrendous. Reading about them from Sempers of Wisdom is right. traumatic in itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't even say them. I think mm. I think they're too horrible. <laughs> and apparently, I think Lawrence—I I find it difficult to believe—but apparently, Lawrence recognised some of the Turks in the column as those that had captured him at Darar. Oh, right. So we, that also got his... Yeah. As well as seeing the women and children killed, not just killed, but tortured before being killed in the most horrendous yeah. ways, he also saw some of the Turks. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he says, no prisoners, no prisoners. Yeah. And that's true. Apparently he did order... I don't know whether it was under such mental yeah. strain, but he did say, 
He did order no prisoners. Yeah. Well, the Arabs are straining to go after these Turks mm. who are leaving. And this is the point where if he had said, no, we're going to Damascus, then they'd have won. But also before this, uh, there's a quote um, that says, um, Prince Faisal says in the earlier part of this film that Lawrence is getting known amongst the Arabs for his compassion. Yes. But here we see him losing his compassion because he's even compassionate towards the enemies they capture beforehand. Yeah, apparently this is true. Um, um, Faisal gave... Lawrence a Mauser pistol uh, no sorry a British pistol right. that was captured at Gallipoli and belonged to a Turk and ended up with Faisal and Faisal gave it to Lawrence <laughs> and he started keeping notches of the Turks he shot oh. but he got as far as four and then it, he, he was disgusted with himself right, and yeah. so didn't do it anymore which yeah. is a character I mean that would have been good in the film it, it yeah. kind of shows his character it's an action that shows character which uh, is a great thing but here it's almost like he finally gives way to the horrors of war and gets everyone to slaughter the Turks. Yeah, well, he joins in. Yeah, yeah. He, he's... Yeah, he's gone, isn't mm. he? He's this bloodlust or whatever. Um, it's so horrific what he's been faced with mm. um, that he... It's like horror begets horror. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they found a man, uh, one of the Arabs, pinned to the ground by bayonets, um, mm. still alive. And they had some Turkish... Pri they did take a few prisoners and they asked... They said, oh, who did this? And the guy just before he died pointed to the Turks and Lawrence got the the Turks into a huddle and they were machine gunned <laughs> I mean horror yeah and then horror yeah you know. yes uh, it's just once you, you start there's no the reality of this war yeah, yeah. you can read about it in, in things but the reality I mean all sides did these things it's just yeah. it doesn't bear thinking about the actual reality of seeing this stuff terrible but so yes, that's quite a, a, a game changer for his character as well. He's 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 had another yet another hit, and they so they get to Damascus. Now, I think they do get there before the British, don't they? Because yeah. they're able to take the town hall, and and the Arabs get in charge of the amenities. Yeah, but the Arabs still can't agree, you know, amongst themselves. Yeah. Like one one tribe of them is supposed to be looking after the electricity supply and they're not working and, and the water. Yeah, the whole thing's falling apart, really. Yeah. And the British this is very colonial, but the British expect this. They say, Let's wait. Yeah. Because they I think they know it's gonna collapse. Yeah. And sure enough it does and the Turk, the Arabs leave. Yeah. But there's quite um, a shocking scene where you know so okay the Arabs are in charge and Lawrence is, in, is kind of in charge responsible for that and he's asked about the Turkish hospital which he didn't know about yeah so he goes to see it and there's this hospital of Turks no water yeah they're dying dysentery there's something like, was there 600 beds or something but there's uh, or four, 300 beds something, and there's 1200 Turks yeah I can't remember if that's in the film now if I read it in the book <laughs> I'm so confused by fact and fiction um, and of course he's horrified yeah. and one of the medical staff arrive and one of, one of them sees Lawrence and thinks he's an Arab and asks him a question and Lawrence just laughs yeah. he's, he's become hysterical and, yeah. and the medical officer strikes him yeah this medical officer later when he meets Lawrence he says oh you Lawrence let me shake you by the hand doesn't realise yes, it's the yeah. same guy he struck but anyway yeah um, so, yes, Damascus eventually falls into the hands of the British. Yeah. It has to. Yeah. And Lawrence is left by Abitei and Sheriff Ali. Mm. 
Sheriff Ali leaves with tears in his eyes, which I, I've, I've, he's probably one of my favourite characters in the film. He's, he's, he becomes his real friend, doesn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and he realises, I can't remember, he says he, he must fear himself or something. I can't, yeah. I can't remember, didn't write down the quote, but... Uh, yeah, I mean that's pretty much the end of the film. Yeah, there's a great there's a great line at the end that says Lawrence is a sword with yeah. two edges, and yeah. we're equally ba- glad to be rid of him. Yeah, because F- Faisal says I think we're equally glad to be rid of him. Or something. Yeah, basically at this point it, you can see that it's handed over to Prince Faisal and the British, and Lawrence yeah. has has done his, his been job. Used. Yeah, I think yeah. he realises he's been used, maybe or or what has he achieved at the end? Yeah. He's thinking it's all been for nothing. All of his ideals mattered for nothing because the British had their intentions and Prince Faisal is sort of resigned to them. He knows what was going on all along and he perhaps saw through Lawrence. Yeah, perhaps he used him as well. I mean, right at the beginning, he says to Lawrence, I think you're one of these desert-loving British. Yes. (laughs) He'd seen this sort of person before who comes over and falls in love with the landscape of Arabia. The romance of it. Yeah, the romance of Mm. it. But Prince Faisal is is really a canny character. You know, you feel as though he. Well, then Lawrence proves him wrong, doesn't he? By yeah. by surviving the the nettle yes. and all that kind of stuff, he he doesn't give up after yeah. a sandstorm. No. Whatever, but, uh, yeah. but you do feel as though Lawrence has got to the end, and, he, and whatever he 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 was planning, the politicians had there. Hmm. That what you know their yeah. plan in mind. Yeah, I mean, Lawrence wanted Damascus to be the capital of the Arab state. Mm. and that wasn't to be it collapsed yeah. <laughs> totally collapsed although in reality he didn't give up and, no. and he became an advisor to Churchill no. um, um, not when he was Prime Minister but yeah. when he was in I think it was oh god my British history <laughs> I think it's Lloyd George <laughs> sorry right. if I got that wrong who was Prime Minister and um, yeah I mean he advocated on behalf of Prince Faisal and the Arabs mm. at the various treaties because the, the sykes Peacock. I think was amended and changed and eventually others came in obviously and yeah I mean what a, it's never it's yeah. never been right <laughs> uh, apparently uh, he he made, he drew up a map Lawrence of the Middle East how it could be for an independent oh, yeah. or, or under British and French mandate although he was he didn't want the French to have that <laughs> I think he preferred the Turks to the French I'm not sure well. <laughs> no maybe not that's unfair I don't know that um, but he drew up a map and he was very aware again his, because of his knowledge he knew about the tribes mm. so as when the British came along and, and marked up the map it was just uh, you know various yeah. it was at, yeah the Palestinians the Arabians but he knew the tribes and gave various areas to the mm-hmm. tribes so apparently people some some people look at it today and think oh actually if we'd have done that yeah. <laughs> it probably wouldn't have solved anything because it's still the colonial mm. um, hand in it all rather yeah. than letting people rule themselves but um yeah anyway i mean that's the trouble with this film it's so much politics involved yeah <laughs> but but apart from the politics and the reality and yeah. the historical accuracy pretty big adventure yeah i must say i was when i was watching it i was caught every so often thinking this isn't an adventure film and then i think oh no it is I think the things that sort of threw me out of it was that most of what I think of as an adventure film is sort of normal people going into an extraordinary situation. Whereas here, because Lawrence is quite an extraordinary person, it felt a bit more like an epic where you're looking at a hero who is somewhat closer to the gods than normal men. Yeah. And it's, it was also a sort of a character study. And those sort of... I mean, I did think that it was an adventure film at the end but there were moments when I thought it's not 
of the classic adventure sort. It's you know? not. The other films are more objective objective adventures. Yeah. Um, there's the prize. There's the objective. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the objective. Doing ways there, but to get. Yeah. Um, whereas this is is as you say, it's more an analysis of the character. But you couldn't get much more boy's own adventure. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes there. Um, <laughs> horribly. Um, than this, really. I mean, mm. when you think of the children of the Empire growing up uh, in the 1920s, I mean, given their you know, stories to read, yeah. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia is exactly the kind of thing yeah. that would thrill them. Yeah. Um, but they would cut out all the doubt and... Uh, oh, of course, the, it'd be very yeah. colonial. Because, <laughs> I mean, usually in these films you find yourself identifying with the adventurers. But did you find yourself identifying with Well, I was going to say, well, in relation to what you said about him being quite uh, deific... Yeah. Um, <laughs> ...is that I think you do identify with him to some degree because immediately he's not an army stick. Right. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's someone who's out of that. Yeah. And you kind of unless you're an army person yourself who thinks that people should toe the line. Um I think you do you do kind of like him straight away because you think oh he's not he doesn't mm. fit in there. Yeah. Um and he comes from a intellectual background. Yeah. He's interested in study and mm. the classics and the uh, biblical history. That's why he went and walked around, you know, the desert and Syria and all that for yeah. all that time. Yeah. And was interested in the crusades and that's where he gets his knowledge from. But of course, he does have this Superman side to him yeah. that maybe is because of this slight masochistic whatever. Yeah, if that's what he's got this tendency. But yeah, I mean, there's no question this is a big adventure film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is it is different from the others we've looked yeah, at. Yeah, I mean, in, I suppose in each quite one a few is, respects. Really. Yeah, although the others can be classed. I mean, as I say, you've got these prizes you go for. Yeah, King Kong. Um, Kings of Kafiristan, gold, gold, gold. gold. Hidden <laughs> um, uh, Fortress was different because mm. they were trying to get, they're trying to escape from their invaded territory back to a friendly territory. That's kind of different. So we've gone off the beaten path mm. there. If if, if 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 there is a path, that's kind of what we're discovering. <laughs> Out of the five films, three I think have had a very much classic um, adventure. Thing the others too, but this is this is probably the most different out of all of them, I think. Yeah. So yeah, enjoyable because you. I mean, as I, <laughs> I said at the beginning, that I I kind of found a deep appreciation of this film than I had. Yeah. What about you? Because I, I mean, you're more perhaps a bit more into the. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. The more fantasy aspect of some of these. Yeah, I mean, I I I didn't mind that the lack of any fantasy aspects at all. No, I think the main thing. I mean. I'm thinking, would I want to sit down and watch it again? Mm. I must admit, I'm sort of put off by the length of it. Yes, it's a long, it's a big investment. <laughs> it's undoubtedly a very impressive film, and yeah. it certainly raises questions about character, not to mention politics. Yes, which you can't help but they they'll stay with you. You know, yeah. I mean, it's quite similar in my mind to a Shakespearean play where you've got a major character in the middle and you can you can't help but feel this sort of storm of personality you know right yeah um yeah and Lawrence of Arabia fictionally at least is quite a character yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it's interesting that he himself wanted to escape that character at some yes. point and he um he took on a pseudonym and joined the RAF mm. as uh, just a, a 
Yeah, you just joined at the, the bottom rank again. Exactly. Which is... Yeah, well, I was, <laughs> this, while I was working last night, I was listening to the audiobook that just got up to that bit. And yeah. um, only two people knew about that. So when he went, it was the superior officer. He said, yeah, I'll get you in. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to persuade him not to do it. Because <laughs> um, he was a colonel at the end of this. He was a lieutenant yeah. colonel, I think, which yeah. is you know high, with, with decorations as well, some of which he um, didn't want. But he was supposed to go to the recruiting office and it was arranged that he'd be taken to a certain recruiting officer and that would get him through. Right. But unfortunately, before he got to him, someone else spotted him and said, what do you want? And took him to a different one. <laughs> and he was rejected. Huh. Interestingly, the different one was W.E. Johns, I think that's his name, who wrote the Biggles books. <laughs> and he, when he rejected him, he had to be called in and say, look, sorry, no, we need to get him in. He's actually... He was told, so he was brought in on the ah, secret. Ah. So Johns knew that wow. he was letting in. Yeah. But the doctors, I think rejected him as well and they had to so they had to really get him through but anyway yeah. the point is that he wanted to escape mm. from this character he'd become as well to some degree I mean that made me that reminded me of uh, the film Apocalypse Now right where you know they go after Colonel Kurtz who's supposedly gone mad mm. and before that they quickly give a background to, to Colonel Kurtz and he's followed a similar path obviously he's fictional yes but he rose up in the army and then quit it to become a, a paratrooper or something at the bottom rank oh, and this right. was to show how much of a intense mad uh, and talented soldier he was right you know? right he wanted the reality of the yeah. war not to be yeah pushing around. to prove himself again yeah. and again but this is the actual uh, person who actually did that mm. yeah <laughs> another thing i wanted to say about this is just watching it reminded me on a sort of subliminal level of the film dune perhaps just partly because there's a lot of desert scenes and also because that features a character who comes from another planet and becomes one of the the desert people oh, i'm red june all right um i saw the film ages ago but i can't remember yeah, it. so david yeah. lynch's film and yes. the book but also when i was looking at the dates i realized that the book dune was written shortly after this film came out <laughs> so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an influence there yeah that would be interesting to know yeah, uh, yeah look into that so yeah well lawrence arabia we've, yes. we've done the one that yeah. i thought was a bit of a hill and actually i enjoyed it and um i mean the main thing i enjoyed about this was questioning about historical accuracy mm. in a film that's an adventure and it's an escapist film yeah even though it's based in truth and has got you know, today, uh, the kind of the main issue of the world is is this Middle Eastern problem that all, you know, all, it goes back further. But this is really the first post-First World War is really where it came from. Yeah. That's such a serious issue. And then having the entertainment side of it, <laughs> I, found, I found that really interesting. I, I think I learned some things about historical accuracy mm. versus entertainment and what you should put... Um, so the next film we're doing is Time Bandits Yay. and I'm very concerned obviously about the historical accuracy because <laughs> I believe that features Napoleon and uh, ancient Greece and <laughs> God and the evil one <laughs> yeah uh, so well that's the, uh, a thin connection <laughs> there's yeah. a few I think we'll be less worried about that but uh, anything else to add? Or? no no I think that's it <laughs> okay so that's Lawrence of Arabia and next we shall uh, I'm sorry that Lawrence of Arabia took a little while to get up but as I said, it was a long film and had to find time for us both to watch it. But we've done it. Um, so Time Bandits, which I... Th now, Lawrence Radio was 1962, I don't know if we said that. Time Bandits is our most modern film, equally tied with The Rages of the Lost Ark. Ah. 1981. Two films from 1981. Which is one of those films... I mean, I was 12. We'll talk about this later. But that's, <laughs> that's the age, isn't it? That's, that's one of those... That's, you know, sort of eight to... 
12 or 13, I think, yeah. is when your imagination gets pinned to some degree <laughs> and set. So Time Bandits uh, was is one of those films, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen it for quite a long time either. We shall try and get that done within the next couple of weeks, I think. Yes, maybe maybe yeah. next week, we'll see how it goes. So thank you very much for listening. Um, please leave a comment on our blog if you've got anything to add, or even just to say you enjoyed it or, or didn't enjoy it, whatever. Yeah. That would be great to hear from you, and we shall see you back for the Time Bandits. Bye.